Hello and welcome to Quanta's series of APMP podcasts. Um, this time the topic is earned value management. Um, once again, it's Tim and Adam. Hello, Tim. Hello, hello, Adam. Um, so, make an assumption here that you've read the earned value section in the accompanying pre-course reading booklet that contains details of the formulae and goes through a worked example. Really, <laughs> of they have. So we won't uh, talk around that here. Um, but what we'll talk about here really is why you'd be using earned value management, um, the advantages of it and the disadvantages of it. Yeah. So, and, and just what, what it is, I think maybe we should start off because yeah. I think the formulas are one thing to try to learn, <laughs> but actually understanding what it is and, and why you'd bother with it is probably quite important. So, yeah, well, what is it? Well, it's a way of measuring performance to date, uh, how you're doing against time, how you're doing against cost, and in turn, how that, that might, if you extrapolate that forward, how you might end up. So it's basically a way of measuring your performance and, and looking at uh, uh, the future and how that performance might um, continue uh, and therefore where your forecast outturn costs and time are likely to be. So, and the question is, how does it do this? It does it by taking really three key figures, which is uh, time, cost, but also what you've done uh, with that money and with that time. And by basically various formulas comparing those three things you can pretty much work out how you're doing yeah because that's that's the main feature of it really think if you're just reporting on time and cost alone then there's no indication of what you've actually spent the time and cost on so it produces a more rounded report if you also factor in the scope so if at a certain point in the projects if you thought that you were going to be uh, or, or thought you would have spent forty thousand pounds and you spent a little bit more then that in itself doesn't really indicate that much, really. If you say that we spent a little bit more than £40,000 and we've only produced 80% of what we hope to, then it has a function because you can see there that we haven't actually got value for money. And that's yes. really what it's about. Absolutely. Um, so it's not suitable for every project by any means because it does or it can involve quite a lot of extra work. So you need to work out really how long it's going to take you to do a certain activity on a per day basis. And it's never going to be an easy division where if you've got 20 days to say it's going to be 5% completion every day. Yeah. So there'll be some times where you can just fly through some work because it's quite easy. Um, other times when it's going to be a lot more fiddly. I mean, say for instance, if you were tiling a bathroom, if you're just putting on whole tiles, then that's quite easy to do. Whereas if there are other parts of the bathroom where you need to measure and cut every tile, then your rate of progress is going to be a lot slower. So whatever the equivalence ought to be, ought to be coded in. And so that's why it's not really suitable for every project by any means. Mm. But for large projects, it can be quite useful. But the challenge, I mean, the challenge on the course course is to try and, you know, remember the formulas. Um, but in real life, like you were alluding to there, I think the challenge of the formulas, you can have them written down, that it's a few seconds to actually do the calculations. The challenge is on, as you said there, getting the, the data out. So how are your teams forming? how much work have they completed and certainly my my experience is that, that it's very difficult sometimes to get this information from people unless it has been very clearly uh, set up and quite accurately estimated yeah because that's the thing because i think if if you've agreed a work package with a team manager then their reporting on progress is only meaningful if you've got a baseline against which you're working yes um so at but also they don't like reporting to you sometimes so so you know you ask them how they're doing and they'll say, oh, we're getting on fine. And then how much have you done? Oh, about halfway through. You know, I think unless you've got that mechanism set up, clearly measurable, even if people are lagging behind, they might think, I'm not going to tell him. Or 
yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, I can catch up. So I'll say I'm doing all right, but of course, then you don't find out at the end. So I think having a clear reporting mechanism on on time and cost is is key. And then if you can get that information, actually, the calculations are seconds, and you can get a really clear idea. Yeah, and, that, and that's that, that's a more general point for reporting, anyway. Because I think if you're not getting the information from the teams, then you're not really controlling the project. Yes. Because the project manager's report is really just a summary of all of the progress reports you're getting from the team. Uh, but, okay. if, but if we can have a look, look at the, the pros and cons of it, yes. so the benefits and... Um, and Disbenefits? <laughs> really try not it to is a real word, word, by the way. It is a real word. I've looked it up in the dictionary. Yeah, I think you mentioned and it in the... Oh, did I? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go through again. It's a little no. repeated section. Um, so the benefits of it will be that it provides a snapshot as to how the project is performing at any moment in time. So you can see how efficient the project is regarding time and cost. It also allows you to focus on areas of underachievement. So you may well notice that there are some activities that are lagging behind what you thought they would. And there can be many reasons for that. It could well be that the person or people doing the work, it's not their primary skill. It could well be that um, there have been some things that you had little control over that have happened, such as bad weather or whatever it may well be. It may also just be simply that your estimates weren't particularly good. Mm. It might be the first time that you or the people working for you have done this work. But at least it highlights and it serves that function. So linked to that, in the estimating section, we talk about comparative and parametric estimates. And your earned value calculations, once logged, can be used in subsequent projects as a type of parametric estimate. Mm. Um, because you can just see there, if there is um, repetitive work that will be carried out, um, they can say that this is the expected rate of progress to tile a wall. So say, for instance, if the project was going to be um, refurbishing every room in a hotel, then pretty quickly they would pick up this information and that in itself would aid their estimating capability. There is um, a, a variant of, of earned value, a way in which it's reported, called a bullseye diagram that will allow the status of the project to be seen just at a glance. And that's particularly useful up at the steering group level and even beyond up at the programme and portfolio level mm. where you can just see the trends of the project, so how it went uh, in a certain certain week, certain month, um, as a um, based upon its adherence to the planned time and cost schedule. Also, it allows you to work out tolerances mm. so in APM terms an issue is something you must escalate to the next level of management and so the project sponsor for instance could say to the project manager that bring to my attention anything that is below 85% efficiency or if the project as a whole is below 90% efficiency then bring it to my attention um, so it's tried to make it a bit more objective rather than subjective mm. so there are quite a few advantages to it but it's not a panacea it's not going to be of use for every single project, so there are a number of disadvantages as well. Italian ham. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah so, Panacea. just in case you're confused, I, it's, I think it's I had not it on my pizza the other. Yeah, day. It's not an Italian ham. Um, was it the organ that produces insulin? <laughs> well, it's a big railway station in London. <laughs> yeah. It's it's none of those things. Okay. So carry on. <laughs> so there are a number of uh, potential disadvantages, and basically, would be if um, value wasn't used properly. So. Sometimes um, somebody can use the information to say what they want it to say. So, for instance, the project manager could include ill-performing activities that could be artificially weighing down all the rest of them. Because once you took out one or two ill-performing activities, you could see that the project as a whole was being managed quite well. But they themselves are diluting the effectiveness of the whole project. And so have a good awareness of how the project itself is functioning. But then equally, are there any individual activities within the projects that may only be running at, say, 20, 30, 40, 50% efficiency? Yeah. 
um, and is that having a diluting effect on the rest of the project? Yes. And so, in other words, you don't necessarily have to correct everything in the project. You just need to focus your attention on one yeah. or two elements yeah. of it. But, of course, those, those in turn, if, if some of the poor performing areas are on the critical path, uh, sorry, not on the critical path, well, actually, is it as important as, as it might initially seem? So, you know, it doesn't take that into account. You need, you need to use it in conjunction with other yeah. tools. And yeah. so, so particularly when you're looking at the, the SPI, the Scheduled Performance Index, um, if you're going to use that as a means to extrapolate time, then it is only relevant, really, if those activities are on the critical path. Mm. Similarly, with um, the Cost Performance Index, the CPI, um, if you've got third parties doing work for you, then you'll have uh, contracts set up with them. And so if you've got a fixed price contract with a supplier, then even if they are going to run late, it will be up to them to pay more money to to claw back that time. Yeah. And so as a consequence... In the, it, it's We're in a firm price contract. Maybe. Um, that's not in this anymore. Oh, oh isn't it? Okay. <laughs> uh, as, you, as you'll soon see. Um, so yeah, so if there is a fixed price, um, then it can produce a false picture in terms mm. of your extrapolation of, um, of money mm. if the contractor themselves has to pay for the yeah. um, the extra work I mean a big thing I think is the fact that, that all the calculations when you're projecting forward assume that nothing is going to change from here on in it's all based on historical data and of course just because we've been performing at a certain level of performance to date doesn't mean that we will continue uh, exactly yeah, yeah. That level of performance. Other, other things are going to change um, it may be that new teams are coming in different types of activities are undertaken if you're building a a property, the first activity was drawing up the plan, the design for an architect, well the fact that they went over budget or uh, were, were behind schedule doesn't really have any relevance to the, whether or not the foundation digging will hmm. uh, in turn you know, get big, go run behind schedule or go over budget. So you have to be very careful I think with what you extrapolate forward. Yeah and, and uh, as you say though like, like things can, uh, can change because this is a form of estimating really and like any estimate there is this expectation that the past is an indication of the future, which sometimes it is, but um, tomorrow isn't a restatement of today. Um, and so that has to be taken it's into account. <laughs> yeah. Like a very like a bit like like Paul McCartney. Mm. And as you're saying there that um, that things can change. For instance, lots of people are motivated by deadlines. And so the fact that their performance has been pretty poor up to this point, um, they may well redouble their efforts in the future just because there is a looming deadline. You work with very different people from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that's um, that's about it. So yeah. Just, just, just having an understanding of what earned value is for and what are its pros and cons, yeah. allied with the uh, the coverage of the formula in the booklet, then hopefully you'll feel prepared for this topic. Yeah, good. Uh, just, just a word about the exam. I think um, my experiences show that uh, there's two challenges, I think. The one that everyone's aware of is that you need to be able to somehow remember these formulas and... We can argue about whether that's uh, valid or not, but that, that's how it is, so there's no point in fighting it. You need to remember the formulas. That's definitely the first thing. I think the second point, and equally if not more important, is that even if you remember the formulas, you need to be able to actually look at uh, the information that's being provided for you, look at the data and understand it, understand what figures they're giving you. Are they giving you plan costs? Are they giving you budget completion? Are they giving you earned value? Do you have to calculate earned value if they ask you for an efficiency? Is it CPI or SPI, et cetera, et cetera? And I think that's really key because I've definitely seen people fail where they think they understand it, they can remember the formulas, and they've just jumbled the figures that have been given to them, multiply the wrong things by the wrong things, um, and come up with a load of garbage. So I think the time is worth spending when you look, when you see a question, working out exactly what they've given you and exactly what they're expecting you to calculate. And if you're very clear about that, and you can probably do some quick tests to see if it makes some approximate sense, that's when you can do well. If you don't understand what they're giving you don't do the question 
Hmm. Thanks for including the words fail and garbage um, in this positive thinking uh, podcast. (laughs) (laughs) People do pass this exam, I promise. Um, Yeah, but uh, but wise words. Thank you very much. Um, Okay, so I think that's it. Yep, bye-bye. Thank you, bye-bye.